Welcome to the Dayton Women in the Word podcast. We have a heart for you, sister, and a God-sized vision that you become a mighty, awe-filled woman of God who knows, believes, and shares God's Word in your areas of influence. And so we fervently pray Colossians 3, 16 through 17 over you. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Hi, listener. We want to invite you to give a listen to our next season starting later this month titled At Home in the Word. We're going to be giving you a big overview of scripture with two timeline episodes, and we'll be going through each genre of the Bible. So be sure to listen in. We also want to invite you to join us Thursday, February 21st at Keystone Church, 1600 Brownlee Drive for our next teaching collective. For more info, you can visit our website, DaytonWomenInTheWord.com. Thanks for coming to Thank the podcast. You. Do you want to share a little bit about your family, um, yourself, how uh, you got to Dayton? Sure. Well, my husband, Mark, and I have been married for 31 years, be 32, I'm sorry, 32 years, going on 33 already. Um, We have two sons, the one will be 31 this winter, and the other one just turned 29. So we have been a part of Apex, our home church now, for 12 years. It's been um, an interesting journey. We moved here shortly after we got married, so came here as a pregnant mom, for the first time, mm-hmm. and uh, that was that was an interesting journey. I think a lot of your listeners probably can relate in moving away from what's familiar, from yes. family and friends, and getting to a new place and putting down roots and all. So that was that was the journey for us when we arrived. And so we've been a part of three different churches over the the years we've been here. Very excited by what God is doing at Apex right now in terms of disciple making, and mm-hmm. so we're really happy to be there. Yeah, along the way, some of the transformative events in our lives, I guess, would be um, when I married, I was a believer, but I didn't have the Word of God dwelling in me. Mm-hmm. I had never had any discipleship at all, was raised Catholic. Um, my husband was not a believer at that time, so we embarked on marriage and raising a family, not being equally yoked, because mm-hmm. I had no clue that was something that God said to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a part of the, the journey. And then having children and over the years just coming to realize how much of my heart was set on lesser things than the mm-hmm. Lord, right. you know, mm-hmm. making children the idol or husband the idol or reputation the idol or success whatever it was so that's that's been all a part of the journey here in Dayton um yeah and then our family at at 18 our firstborn was diagnosed with a malignant brain tumor so that was a, a major turning point for me and God had been preparing me and Blake for that for a long time um, but I look back and realize that was really a, a defining moment yeah. In, in our time as a family. My husband is now a strong believer, and um, 
Yeah, so our son survived the cancer, and we now have wow. adult children <laughs> pressing on. God's given us the, the blessing in recent years of just gaining a vision for, for coming alongside um, those in the church who want discipleship. So awesome. I do that in a number of ways through Apex. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? Are you um, discipling women specifically? Yeah, I've been a part of the care team at Apex since the care team was built mm-hmm. uh, some years ago. So do what we call biblical counseling. I'm not certified as a counselor, but, you know, just help women through the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And that's been such a rewarding journey, seeing women come into freedom from a lot of stuff. I, I see a lot of young women in particular around me who are consumed with fear and anxiety, you know, if not depression and things like that. So it's just been amazing to see the grace of God permeate their lives and, and turn them from fear to fullness. Yeah. yeah, so that's that's been exciting. We have a house church that meets in our home, so we've been house church leaders since house churches were started at Apex. That's always been an exciting journey. And um, yeah, just working on being intentional in every area of our lives to awesome. live for the Lord. Yeah, I love that you do... Biblical counseling, I think sometimes we think, oh, we need to refer them to a counselor or somebody who's been trained, but the Lord really has called us all to be in community together so that we can do that for each other through the Word of God. So, Yeah, I like what Paul Tripp says that, you know, we are always counseling ourselves with something. Mm -hmm. Is it with truth or is it not? Right. Is it the world's view of life or is it God's view of life? So it's been, I, I can say that Mark and I had a lot of counseling over the years that wasn't rooted in scripture mm-hmm. and had no fruit at all, bore no good fruit in our marriage. Um, anything I've ever gotten that had value and helped me to grow was rooted in the word. Right. Mm-hmm. It's critical to me. Yeah. The Spirit gives us that gift of counseling, right? Because he's the, the counselor. perfect counselor exactly. and he's living inside of us. And so he... He allows us to be that for for other people, and and he's that for us. And yeah, the alongsider has made us alongsiders. Yeah, exactly. absolutely. I love that. Um, so you're very involved in discipleship. You're um, you're in the Word with other women. But what does your daily time on your own with the Lord look like? Yeah. Well. At 64, I'm sure I've had a lot more experience with different <laughs> kinds of times of being in the Word than, yeah. than you all could possibly have had. <laughs> so it's looked very different over the years. I can start with where I am now. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, about a month ago, I decided it was time to get back to the book of Genesis. In the Jesus was a Jew, and he lived and taught from a Jewish perspective. That's how he grew Mm -hmm. up learning, and that's how he taught. So in the Jewish faith, every year they go through the first five books of the Bible that we call the Torah. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't done that in a while. So I was convicted several weeks ago that it was time to get back to that. So that's currently what I'm doing, but also in conjunction with that reading some of the writings and then in the New Testament as well. Mm -hmm. And I also started on a new thing. I'm using colored pencils, and as I read, I've done inductive Bible study, so I've used colored pencils that way if anybody's familiar with that, but Mm -hmm. uh, this is a new thing I'm doing where I am underlining everything I learn about God, everything I read about obedience, and everything, um, well, a couple different colors, but for example, sin or wrongdoing, um, wrong hearts and things like that. Mm 
So it's making me more intentional as I read to then go back and reflect uh, what it is God is having me go away with. Right, instead of glossing over Mm -hmm. and reading it like a book. Like Mm -hmm. we just read a book and a story comes through, but actually seeing the intentions of the heart and God's what what is God doing and who does he say he is and that really I feel like that would really put it on the forefront mm-hmm. for the rest of the day or you know the next day and even the week for sure yeah I think it's for me it's just another way of approaching questions that we can ask ourselves every time we're in the word what did I learn about God right. what did I learn about man including myself and others and is there, you know, a model to follow, a command to obey, a sin to repent from, etc.? So my little colors are just helping me awesome. do that in a new way. It's it's fresh for me. I also changed versions. I, um, you know, I had used the ESV for quite a while. Then I used the NASB for the next year or two, and <laughs> now I'm back to the NIV just to use something different. Yeah, um, that's so. good. I do like the NIV. I feel like I can go. Two other ones, and I always come back to it. Um, it also could be because when I listen to it, I like whoever is reading it. <laughs> you know, it's the um, in, on the U version app. So. so you stay with that version. I yeah. stay with that version, but I come, I go back and forth too. Mm-hmm. I do love the Amplified, but nobody can read it to me. <laughs> There's too many words. Right, too yes. many words for yeah. that one. Yeah, I like being able to go back and forth too because sometimes just the wording in one version really is more impactful than another version and you know you, you don't really know unless you have looked around at different um different versions and I like I go back between ESV and NIV and um sometimes um we'll even you know pull up King James to yeah. see what what that says too and or um you know just a variety um but it's good. I think that tip that you gave about the color pencils is really good, especially for someone who's a visual mm-hmm. learner and who's like looking at their Bible and want, wanting to know where, like, what am I learning about God? And, and you can look at the page and see, you know, all of, you know, green or whatever mm-hmm. it is, whatever color, like those are all the, the God's promises or whatever it is. You can see that visually and it helps um, I think people who are, yeah. are learn that way best. So Absolutely. That's a great tip. Well, I think there is a real benefit to using the different versions, going back to that thought for a second, because especially in the Hebrew language, which of course is what the Old Testament was originally written in, mm-hmm. the words can be so broad in their uh, definition, in their uh, connotation, but we tend to read one word and think we've got the picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think using different versions, using a Bible dictionary or a concordance and then a dictionary really helps us understand more of what God could be speaking right. there. Yeah. And for those of you who speak other languages, I don't know how many there are out there, but I first read the Bible in Spanish. Mm. And so I, I tend to go back to like when something's really speaking to my heart, I tend to go back to the Spanish and I think it's like the King James Version in Spanish, which is what I you know, memorized when I was younger. And so going back to it always kind of helps me come back to, okay, this is what the Lord was speaking into my heart when I first read it. And so then now he's speaking something different mm-hmm. in English, but how do they come together? You know, how does the definition broaden and how does the definition now impact my life? as I read it today. So that's really cool if, you know, if anybody's out there that speaks (laughs) another language, don't hesitate 
to go back and oh, forth. Oh, yeah. Another thing I did recently when I went back to the NIV is I bought a first century study Bible. Um, I like to read the scriptures for themselves, but when we inform ourselves culturally and yeah. contextually, we really enrich our understanding because mm-hmm. we see the scriptures 2,000 years after the last right. of them were written, yeah. and many of them were written even before. And if we don't inform ourselves culturally, then we tend to project onto the scriptures what we think they say mm-hmm. based on our experience and yeah. our setting, and that can be sometimes a world apart from what God yeah, might have been saying yeah, at that yeah. time. So that's why I went ahead and purchased a first century study Bible just to complement my study with the notes that are there mm-hmm. as well. That sounds great. I think about even like just how different contexts are. Even 50 or 100 years ago, exactly. you're in a different context. Mm-hmm. 2,000 years ago, like we're really Majorly very different. different. So yeah. it is great to have some context, especially like if you're reading straight through a book, um, to start with that foundation before you read a book to know like who who um, is this book being written to, what was happening at that time. That really helps the understanding, I think. And aren't we lucky that we can just pull up oh, on our smartphones, yeah. like all of that information, we can switch versions just with the click of a button it's and amazing. we can compare like four versions on right. the same yes, screen. Yes, I love that. You know, we are we are really blessed to have all those tools that we do. Yeah. Right now. 25, 30 years ago when I really just began to study the scriptures, I was so overwhelmed. I thought, I'll never know this book. You know, it was just (laughs) so... And so I really can relate to people who are just starting the journey. Mm -hmm. But God meets us right where we are. So along the way, then I realized I was often opening up commentaries to read what somebody said God was saying. Mm -hmm. And then I learned about the inductive Bible study method that Kay Arthur, for example, Mm -hmm. teaches in precepts. And... uh, that was really foundational to me to realize God speaks by his spirit. And if I'm willing to do the work to inform myself, what does the rest of scripture say about this word or this passage? And what's the original definition, you know, if you go back to the Hebrew or the Greek? So I did uh, early on a lot of K. Arthur studies that helped me wrestle with the scriptures personally mm-hmm. and not just sit passively and let somebody tell me what they said, but work yeah. at finding it out. And that was... That was really formative for me, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, awesome. I think there, um, we talk a lot about Jen Wilkin. She's a teacher um, mm-hmm. recently who is, who is encouraging that same kind of study right. of getting... She's um, your generation. Asking, <laughs> asking those same kind of questions, yeah, and really um, encouraging women to, mm-hmm. and to read the Bible for themselves and to know that they can. I think that a lot of of women right now are going to those just um not even commentaries but just other just books about the bible or books written by christian women but not necessarily about the word of god so you know they're getting a little encouragement but it's not a lasting you know spiritual food like we're getting in the bible and you know our whole reason for this ministry and this podcast and everything that we're doing is to encourage women that they can read it, that they are, mm-hmm. you know, we're all made to read it. It's not, it's not something about us that makes us, um, like prepare to read it. It's right. it's God who brings the power to the equation. So it's not about, about us and what we bring to the table and that, um, and helping give women tools. So, right. um, yeah. And, and I think the Holy Spirit 
is always at work in mm-hmm. that area because I, as we've been studying John, you know, he draws us to himself mm-hmm. and he draws us to his word. And so as we read the word, we continue to be drawn to him. But if we're always just having appetizers, like we're going to continuously be hungry and then be seeking those little morsels instead of like the whole feast. And the Bible to me is the whole feast. And then like devotionals and other books that only say, you know, they start out with one verse, but then they talk about their experiences with God, which is great. And I do love stories. So I'm drawn to those books. But I, at the same time, it's like, that was only one verse. I don't even know, you know, what, what did the rest of the chapter say about that one verse? Mm -hmm. You know, we miss the whole um, story of the one verse, but we did get the story of the believer, which is great because, you know, by, by our, our testimony, the Lord is being, um, glorified and then we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony so i do um, enjoy that and really esteem those and cherish them but at the same time i don't want to miss out on the feast of the word of god because i'm continuously just picking up an appetizer here and there Mm -hmm. you know from a book so well i think it's so important to recognize too that we have a tendency in 21st century america to individualize the scriptures and think that it's me and God and the relationship that we enjoy. That's important, and I'm not denying that. But the scriptures are written, and the exhortation in the scriptures is to community. Mm-hmm. And it's in community that the fullness of who God is and what he's done and who he's made us to be and how we get to live that out will be um, expanded and yeah. enlarged. So, um, you know, I, I'm a total believer in personal Bible study time that's been important to me for 30 years, but that has to then be enhanced with the community experience. How are we living out God's Word in community? That was always important to God from the very beginning, (laughs) and it will be important to Him through eternity. And that's a great point. I was just um, reading through Acts, and you know, they had all these things in common, and mm-hmm. they shared them, and they shared them around the and table. And how often? And every day. Every day. Every day. They said, you know, yeah. and nothing that they owned was of themselves. They wanted to share with each other, and I think that came just from the Holy Spirit. And and as they were looking at the scriptures from Genesis, talking about who Jesus was, they were starting to realize, oh, we've been reading it a little bit upside down, and so now we want to know. And we want to be who he is um, on purpose every day. So that's, I, I love community. Community is just something that <laughs> the Lord has um, completely opened my eyes to, um, to love and to hold and to want to create that for women to be a part of. So, mm-hmm. Well, from the very beginning, that was God's plan. You know, mm-hmm. he's knit us together. He says marriage is a picture of the right. church mm-hmm. because he's meant us to be knit together yeah. as one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very easy in our culture to default to something less than, than God's best in that area. Yeah. Even when we're having one-on-one time, it's really not one-on-one. It's one-on-three-in-one. Mm-hmm. So God's in community. He's in community that's, already. Yeah. That's, and then know. he's made us a part of his community. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Absolutely. That's awesome. So you shared a little bit about what you're doing now, studying through the first five books, um, which 
We love. I yes. Always, we, we are huge Leviticus. We love. We love Leviticus. <laughs> I gotta say, I heard that on one of your podcasts, and I was like, praise God, somebody else appreciates Leviticus. Yes. We, we but, don't do the Lord a service when we denigrate the Book of no, Leviticus. Yeah. We yeah. we love it. We're Leviticus cheerleaders. Um, but tell us a little bit more about previous kind of seasons of life and and other. Um, types of study or, or um, things that you did in the past that kind of compare to what you're doing now? Yeah, I, as I mentioned, the group Bible studies were very important for me, especially early on. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when I had little kids, that was critical for my ability mm-hmm. to stay focused and to have direction. Um, so going to those weekly classes, which now you can do online, mm-hmm. you know, you can have a friend in your kitchen with you and do mm-hmm. it together even. Um, but that was really important for me for the discipline of direction as well as input, because mm-hmm. after our individual time and study every week in precepts, for example, then we come together for a teaching mm-hmm. and sharing with one another. So that was, that was profoundly important to me for many years, um, the group Bible study. Yeah. And I've always made an effort uh, daily for that to be first in my day. Mm-hmm. You know, make my cup of tea and sit down. Now, when we had little kids who liked to get up at 6 a.m., you know, <laughs> that wasn't so easy. Um, and honestly, the memory fades of how I did it, but I know I did it faithfully even in that season. It might have been when they were napping, and, but um, I, that was always important to me to put it first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think... Uh, there's a tendency for people to give kind of an excuse to moms with young kids mm-hmm. that, you know, there's a lot going on. And so we understand that if you're not in God's word, which there's there's grace for that. And we do understand because we're, you know, we're there. A lot of us are there. But um, what would you say to that mom who is just feeling like either, you know, she's just, she doesn't know how how to make it happen, how to find a time, how to even um, get through all of her responsibilities that she has now. What what would you say to kind of flip her perspective? Yeah, I think we look at everything we're doing and ask ourselves, is it God first? Mm-hmm. Um, because if, if we've got time for television or we've got time for a magazine or we've got time for Facebook, mm-hmm. but we don't have time for the scriptures... That's more a matter of the heart than it is a matter of the clock. Yeah. Right. And I think that's true no matter what stage we're in in life. Because mm-hmm. life is getting, I, I'm convinced, life is getting progressively busy just in our culture. Yeah. Things are accelerating. Mm-hmm. And so for every stage in life, that can be a challenge. But yeah, like you said, there's grace from the Lord for every season. But are we reading the scriptures to our children? Mm-hmm. You know, or are we just reading them the books on the bookshelf and yeah. we're forgetting that they can hear the word of God? Mm-hmm. There's so many tools now to share the word of God with our kids. Yeah. That can be a part of our own quiet time. Right. Right there with the kids. We're having our time with the Lord to... Mm-hmm. And again, I don't want to sound like you just having your time with the Lord and then the rest of the day is apart from the Lord. That's the way we usher in being present with him all day. Yeah. Recognizing that he's with us Mm -hmm. and listening for his voice. You know, Mm -hmm. what is he saying in any given moment or circumstance? Yeah. Yeah. And inviting him in Mm -hmm. is so important. I think sometimes we just get up and go, which that's going to happen you know, you talked about your kids who like to get up at six. And so I've talked about my kids who like to be in bed with us in the morning. And um, at first I was just using that as an excuse. Like, I'm just going to 
just going to do it later, you know, or whatever. But you're right. They will listen Mm -hmm. and they want to listen and they want to hear you read to them anyway. So, um, you know, reading to them is so good for me. And it's such a good reminder for me. Um, My husband is the reader. (laughs) You know, he grew up being read to. And I grew up not being read to and then finally figuring out how to read. So I read to myself. And so I'm not used to reading out loud. And so that's a great reminder, even just for me today. You know, as we go together, am I reading to them? Um, sometimes I play it for them, which is good. Give, you know, takes one thing off my plate or whatever. But And so we like to do that. We, we do like to read together. And so that's really an encouragement. And I hope that those who are listening will take that as an encouragement. Because like you guys said, you know, it's all about grace. There are times in our mm-hmm. lives when things do get out of control. Chaotic, but, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'm so excited to hear, you know, 30 years later, as you are talking about it, the Lord has done great things, even in those little tiny moments. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and what would it do for our kids if we read them a, a piece of scripture? Could be from a kid's Bible book mm-hmm. or whatever. But then we follow with, wow, here's what God just showed me. And we're sharing that and we're inviting them to dialogue with us about what they're hearing from the Lord and just helping them early to tune their ears. When our son Blake um, had cancer at 18 and his life was on the line, um, he walked through it with such amazing grace, peace and joy, um, just confidence that God had him, even though the proverbial rug was pulled out from under his feet completely. Everything he had banked on doing was taken away from him. Um, He just had grace all over him. And when we started at Apex 12 years ago, we were invited to share our testimony, he and I. And I heard from someone later, the only way that young man could have experienced what he's gone through with that kind of grace is he knew the Word of God. And I said, Amen, because by 18, Blake had already read the Bible through two or three times Mm -hmm. um, on his own in his quiet times because that's what I was modeling and trying to help Mm -hmm. them learn. Yeah, and that's great. I think the question we don't ask enough when we're in those places of like busyness and chaos is that like, is it worth it? Is he worth it? Mm. Is he worth giving up a little bit of extra sleep time? Is he worth, is the rest I'm going to get from Mm. reading the word Mm -hmm. worth giving up a little bit of physical rest? Is it worth it to have to interact and discipline or whatever with your kids to protect some time or to to read through you know is it worth it sitting down and reading with them and having to stop 10 times in the middle of it and tell them you know to sit still or to to stop interrupting or whatever are all those little things worth it is Jesus worth it to us and I think when we really do think about it yeah if we're if we follow him and we love him we're you know we have a spirit in us, yes, we're going to say yes to that question. But if we don't ask ourselves that question, then it's easy to just yeah. let it go. And is it okay that they're running around? <laughs> yeah. Yes, for we me. Have, yeah. Because yeah. I think Can they listen to me while they're not sitting yeah. still? Right. We have to, yeah, mm-hmm. we've talked a lot about, you know, quiet time can happen without being quiet that we can Mm -hmm. that we can do it in in the chaos that we can that we can show them that it's important to us whatever is going on in life that the word of god is still important to us and we make it a priority whether things are crazy or things are calm and what a great question 
that question is really like resonating in my heart mm. because you know how many times do I say yes to other things and and as I read John 6 yesterday do not strive for bread that perishes but for bread that lasts for eternity and mm-hmm. so sometimes I say yes mm-hmm. to other things very quickly without really thinking about you know is it worth it giving up my time with my kids and the Lord as we try to do this thing together you know and instead here we are running around town forever so mm-hmm. well I'll share an interesting exercise we did as a house church many years ago we studied um, the letters in the book of Revelation mm-hmm. the letters Jesus wrote to the churches yeah. and when we finished that at um, somebody's suggestion we each wrote a letter to our house church mm-hmm. um, and we actually said make it anonymous don't put your name on it just write what you think Jesus is saying to us as his people and almost universally in those letters were two words, priority and intentionality. Mm-hmm. And I think even as young moms with toddlers or newborns or whatever, those words mean everything to us. Yeah. Um, so yeah, is Jesus worth it? Absolutely. But when we don't have intentionality going on, we're not setting priorities, mm-hmm. we default to what comes naturally. Why, right. why would Jesus say in Luke nine twenty three, if anyone would come after me, the first thing we have to do is deny self mm-hmm. because that's our default is to do what comes naturally and that's going to come from the flesh. Right. Mm-hmm. So it requires a commitment. And we can't take it off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's with us until he takes it off himself and gives us a new, a new and glorified body. So That's the whole process yeah. of transformation, yeah. sanctification. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Becoming more and more like Christ. Yeah, and we can't, unless we have intention and we take a look at our day and our our you know bank account and and all of those things they reflect our priorities and we can mm-hmm. see you know am i am i saying he's worth it with my choices that i'm making right and and he's quick to reveal to us whether we are or mm-hmm. whether we're not because he wants us right. to his faith without works is dead right yeah. and so sometimes we have great intentions like you said intentionality is key, but then we don't follow it with action. Mm-hmm. You know, we get stuck. Um, and well, I we have, want like the complete overhaul. We're like, Every, nothing is working. Let's change everything. But that, but the Lord works in smaller. Take one step at a yes, time. Yes, yeah. one step at a time. Although we, you know, we all would love if we could just get yeah. get to the finish line now. But <laughs> it is, it is, it is. It's a, a race. long race. It takes yes. a long time. You know, we just had a, a seminar at Apex a couple weeks ago on the Sabbath, mm-hmm. and it was really, really excellent, very practical, how as believers we can uh, obey God in that command yeah. to honor the Sabbath, but also the benefits that come with it. And I think as, I mean, as I see in the church, it's become one day is just like every other day. So there's no intentionality to just unplug. And even for families where you have sports and you have all Mm -hmm. these extracurricular activities, families are, they're passing each other in the doorway. You know, they're not ever really sitting down. And so the Sabbath, as it was observed and is observed in the Jewish faith, it was a time for family to come together. It didn't mean to the exclusion of others. You could have other people there with you, but it's, it's an opportunity to refocus, to recenter, to receive from the Lord that blessing of mm-hmm. space, right. margin, you yeah. know, um, 
who wrote Margin, the, hmm. the author, I can't remember his name right now, but um, that whole concept of building margin into our lives. So I, I kind of, I, I don't really like the term quiet time yeah. because we imply that that's somehow different than everything else and we yeah. abide in Christ all the time. But mm-hmm. but to build that space to quiet ourselves before him and not be just constantly in gear, yes, right. to I, put it in neutral yeah. and stop is so critical for us as as believers and I think we really are missing that in the church yeah. today. We always um, feel refreshed. Richard Swenson, yes. Okay, yeah, so Margin, a book. Yeah. By Richard Swenson. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. We'll put that in the show notes. Um, yeah, we always... It, <laughs> I think and, and I'm not saying... I haven't even read the book, but that whole concept of having margin in mm-hmm. our lives, space in mm-hmm. our lives for really... Uh, God to invade because mm-hmm. when we are always <laughs> using my hands like anyone listening can see that <laughs> but when we're always in gear we're always moving down the road uh, it's very hard to even listen what next God what are you saying mm-hmm. to next, me yeah. what are you saying to our yeah. family what are you saying to us as your people today yeah. and I think that that's a really important topic for anybody whether you have a family we all have a family but whether you're married and have children um, if you're single you know, one of the greatest examples that my husband has set for me um, when we were in college and we were just friends was the the example of Sabbath. Like, mm-hmm. he observed the Sabbath um, with his family. They always have. And then when he went to college, he didn't just give it up. So I invited him to study one Sunday, and he told me, I'm already done. This is my day of rest. And so that really mm-hmm. spoke volumes to me because as I could continue to like fill my days with everything that I could accomplish and do and have fun with he was filling his day with purpose so that he could have a sabbath day even in college and so I just want to encourage people as they go and they're young and they're fun and they're having so many exciting things happening and so many people wanting them to be you know at their exciting things um that the sabbath is is definitely something that the lord has implemented not just because it's you know one of the commandments and he wants us to like stop everything it's because he knows that in that margin he will speak to us in that margin he will meet with us whether it's you know on a college campus or whether it's you know just walking and taking a walk in nature or just being with your family um and when you work you know sometimes I have to work um finding a different day with Mm -hmm. your family and so we we try to be intentional the day before or you know the day after when I go to work to kind of keep that those days as rest What's his pattern in creation? Right. Work for six days and then he rested. Mm -hmm. So he was Mm -hmm. setting the example for us. Mm -hmm. And and we're foolish to think we can live away from that plan and (laughs) be successful. You know, don't we always feel the blessing of it when we actually do it? We go, Why did I wait so long? Mm -hmm. Why did I wait so long? Mm -hmm. And he made us to 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 need that every week, Mm -hmm. you know. And we like you said, we would do well to to listen and right. follow that example. Um, Joan, we, you've talked a lot about different um, seasons and, and types of study and things that you've done. Um, would you share a little bit, um, have there been any seasons, dry times, and, and how did the Lord bring you through those? Yeah, that, um, you guys prepped me with some of the questions mm-hmm. you'd like to hear about. And as I was thinking about that, I'm 
I'm confident there there are dry seasons that come in life. I think those are really preparatory times where God is taking us deeper, you know, mm-hmm. uh, testing our faithfulness, if you will, when yeah. the feelings might not be there. And they're not uncommon in the church at all, in my experience. Mm-hmm. But the question is in them, what is driving my obedience what is driving my faithfulness is it feelings or is it truth Mm -hmm. and God is who he says he is whether I feel it or not Mm -hmm. so there have been times where I haven't sensed or felt like that the emotions that come with a lot of times we just get some great feelings out of uh, time with the Lord or time in obedience or whatever but he's always there and he promises that with faithfulness comes blessing. Mm-hmm. So I know that that's the way I have walked through drier times is I know I need the Lord. I am going to read the word whether I feel like it or I don't. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's a great um a great description. I think you know, the Lord gives us a a very <laughs> real example in the Israelites in their time in the desert. Um, our times mirror that too and, and it's clear that he was using that for a purpose in their lives and he uses our seasons um, where we feel far from him um, for a purpose too and he wants us to, to practice faithfulness in those times like you said whether we are feeling the feelings or not because it's more about more than feelings and I think sometimes those dry times come so that we can remember that and sometimes they come after we've had had really strong emotional um, connections with the Lord. And then he gives us times where he says, well, when I take that away, are you still going to be faithful to me? And And some people, by their very nature, don't ever have the the great uh, Mm -hmm. mountaintop experiences. They're just not built that way. I think Mm -hmm. in particular Mother Teresa. Mm -hmm. And I can only imagine the delight on God's face when Mother Teresa (laughs) entered heaven. I'm confident because of the heart that she had to honor him in all things and, and her heart to serve and to reach the oppressed and minister to them. That's mm-hmm. that's God's heart lived mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. And yet my understanding is she never had the feelings. Mm-hmm. You know, she just always felt that God was far away. And so I'm not going to get into all the theology of that, but I'm just thinking I, there are people who are so built that emotion is not Mm -hmm. uh, the highs are not going to be there for them really no matter what in their lives Um, but God never commanded us to emotion right Mm -hmm. he commanded us to trust him to Mm -hmm. seek to know him to love him to trust him to serve him to obey him to cling to him but he never said you must feel good about it yeah right yeah Yeah, he's the goodness not uh, the feelings emotions are the pointers to what's going on in our heart and that's really what he wants us to focus on and so he's i think he's given us emotions as as a tool and kind of a thermometer for Mm -hmm. what's going on in our our hearts and so they're yeah they're useful to us and we know that he felt emotion Mm -hmm. he feels emotion yeah you know even now towards us you know with how he loves us and 
with how we can grieve the Holy Spirit and how Jesus cried at the tomb of Lazarus, you know, and he felt compassion for the people that were there. So those are going to come, but the truth of the Lord should be, you know, the engine and our emotions will follow. But I think in our culture now, we talk a lot about, well, how do you feel about it? Mm -hmm. And tell me how you're feeling and Mm -hmm. how did that, you know, whatever. And so we think that our emotions are going to come first and then truth is going to follow but our emotions are also really volatile, so they're not going to always center themselves around the truth of God, you know? They're they're going to go with whatever is happening, and so how can we make, you know, my person right now who's feeling all these emotions feel better about who they are, but really the truth of the Lord guide us, and yeah. then the emotions follow that. I liked uh, how you put that a minute ago, Natalie, about emotions being pointers, because I think that in those dry seasons, a good question to ask is, am I missing God somewhere? Is there something he has shown me in my life that I'm not being faithful to believe or to obey? Um, so that you make sure that a dry season isn't a result of a hardening heart. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I think we, we want to stay away from like, the sense that oh well we know dry seasons will come and so we'll just suffer through exactly. and we'll just read you know open the bible every day and we'll check the boxes and we'll just wait for this to be done instead you know Jesus calls us to more than that to to as he suffered well that we would suffer well too that we would endure and learn perseverance and that we would um we would grow in sanctification by looking deeper than just like trying to wait it out, you know. Or to feel better, yeah. I mean, maybe God is saying that there's a way I'm dishonoring my husband in the home. Mm -hmm. Have I dealt with that? Mm -hmm. Or am I just kind of putting that on the shelf and continuing to walk as though everything is okay in my heart? I think think as believers, we're called daily to examine ourselves and let God show us if there's an area of unbelief Mm -hmm. and to come to repentance. I think one thing I've really seen in meeting with women over the years is in the church there's a tendency to not even appropriate what God has given us for cleansing. He says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just. He'll forgive Mm -hmm. us. He'll cleanse us. Mm -hmm. But if we don't call sin, sin, we make excuses for it. We justify it. We deny it's in our lives. We pretend it's not there. We gloss it over. We minimize it then we don't get the blessing of what it means right. to to be fully forgiven, fully satisfied in Christ. So that's something I wanted to add to the the, the discussion about those dry seasons because yeah. I think sometimes we're we might be remiss in examining our hearts to see if there is a place. I'm not trying to project that onto every dry season by any mm-hmm. means. Right. But um, there can be those times where we just haven't really examined ourselves, let the Spirit enlighten us, uh, mm-hmm. come to repentance mm-hmm. over sin, and turn back to the Lord in faithfulness. Mm-hmm. And I love the example of David in doing yeah. that. Yeah. You know, show me, anyone, right? you know, show me, Lord, if there's any... Search me and try me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If there's any way in me mm-hmm. that, um, that's offensive to you... And then he repents. Yeah, Yeah, you know, I think that's where the identity of God is central. Because if we don't really believe God for who he says he is and what he's shown himself to be, when David says that, well, if we're afraid of God, if we're afraid of not measuring up, if we're afraid that 
nothing Jesus did is adequate for what I've done, then we won't go running to the one who has what we need. We will avoid him. Right. And, and I think that's some of what I'm saying about a dry season. We want to make sure that it's not rooted in unbelief. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that we're not really trusting God to love us, to recognize I can't measure up. Yeah. He's got everything I need. Yeah. Right. The less you know about God's good character and what's been accomplished for you, the less you're going to want to say to God, search me and right. and. And tell me, show me what, right. how I, you know, where the sin is in me. Like, you're not going to want to ask that of God if you don't believe that he is good. If you mm-hmm. don't believe that he is just, you're not going to want to ask him that. Right. Well, and I think that comes back to the word again, because if we look at the Bible as just uh, what God has said we need to live like in order to be okay with him, mm-hmm. And I've heard people interpret scripture that way. We want to make rules and regulations out of it because we can control those. Mm-hmm. But it's not. It's, it's a story of this amazing creator, the, the king over all, sovereign over all, who has so loved us personally, mm-hmm. individually but corporately, mm-hmm. uh, wants relationship mm-hmm. with us. It goes all the way back to Genesis right. 3 when yeah. you see Adam and Eve didn't re- they didn't repent before God was loving on them. Mm-hmm. Do we know that kind of love from God? Yeah. Are we still trying to claw our way back to him when he's just opened the door and said, come on out of your prison cell, I'm giving you abundant life, yeah. but we're not receiving that. Mm-hmm. So I think that was a, a really transformative uh, moment for me in my walk with the Lord was understanding more the story of the scriptures. Uh, as opposed to taking verses, paragraphs, or even entire books, building a theology out of that, but to understand this is relationship. Mm-hmm. Right. First and foremost, he built us for relationship, and, and he's laid out for us his whole story with mankind, beginning to end. No end in sight, obviously, but, you know. <laughs> um, and so he's calling us to that kind of love, that kind of trust. And this brings us back to community. Yes. You can't do it by yourself. Mm-hmm. You cannot confess your sin to yourself. I mean, you, you confess can... your sin to one another <laughs> that you may be healed. Yeah. yeah, and so you need each other mm-hmm. for that. And you know, and when you when you say, Lord, I believe you, then you are more prone to say, Examine me, and then you are more prone to find somebody to say, Look. You know, this is going on in my life right now. Or this dry season feels like this, but the Lord has revealed to me this. Whereas if we are trying to hide from the Lord, we're going to try to hide from other people too. And we're going to try to project and have, you know, another face for every moment or whatever. And that's going to become really hard really fast. And so we cannot, you know, we cannot do anything else but come back to the Lord and come back to each other you know, to help us through those times. And I think that's why it's important, like we said earlier, to know the whole of Scripture. Mm -hmm. If we, uh, unfortunately, I know people who just stay in the New Testament Mm -hmm. and they don't have even the groundwork for what Jesus Mm -hmm. is saying, for what the apostles were writing. It's all rooted in what had gone on for thousands of years before in God's history Mm -hmm. with mankind. We have to have the fullness of that story. So that... That was really important for me. In the church we were in formerly, um, they emphasized the Hebraic heritage, the Jewish roots of our faith, and so talked a lot about um, 
that that context in which Jesus lived and mm-hmm. studied and then taught. Um, but I, I think we're impoverished if we don't understand going all the way back to Genesis. What was God saying in that first mm-hmm. chapter? And then what was yeah. he saying to Adam and Eve when he created them? And then when they sinned, what was he showing us about himself? Mm-hmm. But that's how we're going to know him in such a way that we don't run away. We don't mm-hmm. shrink. We don't shrivel up when we do wrong. We run to our loving Abba and receive right. from him yeah. all that we need for life and yeah. godliness. Yeah. Amen. I think that when I first read the Bible in that context where I wanted to know, I love the Bible. And so when I first started to connect those things, it was so exciting. So rich. Because yeah. I knew now it was not mm-hmm. isolated. Like, mm-hmm. And he had been thinking about me from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, he said, and I will send a deliverer right away, right away when they send. So it wasn't like... He was just like, okay, well, let me see what I can do yeah, now. I'll see what I can do in light of your failure. <laughs> right, I uh, have to go back to the drawing yes. board. <laughs> and then it, and it really just helped me to, to accept his love because he created me. Yeah. Anyway. In love. Before yeah. you ever yeah. did anything, he was yeah. loving you. Anyway, even though he knew <laughs> that we were going to sin. Yeah. You know, he really wanted to be in a relationship with me. So why, you know, would I say no? But I couldn't have known that just by reading one book or focusing only on some parts, you know, of the Bible. It really has been one of the greatest joys of my life to be able to connect, you know, the dots Mm -hmm. from the New Testament over to the Old Testament. And like, oh, I've read that before, you know, somewhere Mm -hmm. else or when he says the words that are in the Old Testament, too. Um, That's really exciting for me. Yeah. Well, and Jesus speaks, assuming this underlying knowledge base, because mm-hmm. he's speaking to Jews. Right. So we, as we gain that same knowledge base, we have a better understanding mm-hmm. of Jesus' own words. That's yeah. yeah, that's so true. So you are in the beginning of the Old Testament right now. Um, would you share a little bit about what you're learning there, what's maybe been new or fresh to you there, and maybe since we've been talking about this, um, you know, need... To, to understand the Old Testament um, so that f- fills out our full understanding of the Bible. Maybe speak to like a woman who might be afraid of the Old Testament yeah. or has had trouble with yeah. it, you know, what you might share with her. Well, it's interesting. We just started something in the house church um, this week called the Story Formed Way, which is a tool you can download from the internet for free. But it's 10 weeks of just getting God's story. The story is paraphrased, so you'll have a couple scenes each week and then some uh, directed questions Mm -hmm. that help you explore what it is you just learned about God. But it's to go from the beginning of the story to the end. And I think that could something like that tool could be really Mm -hmm. helpful because you get the context in which Genesis... be, you know, the book of beginnings, how that fits, and how the Psalms, the cries of the heart of God's people, how that fits, and then the prophets, what were the prophets after? Yeah. Uh, but like you guys mentioned earlier, Leviticus, people have heard for years, and you know, many people will speak from the front of a, from the pulpit and and kind of mock Leviticus a little yeah. bit. But it's like, do we understand the concept of holiness? Do we understand what God is saying there? Mm-hmm. So, um, again, I think using a, a Bible study tool like Precepts or something like that to mm-hmm. lead us through 
some of those early books or all the yeah. Old Testament, really, because it's not our norm, mm-hmm. normative study kind of thing. I think using tools of gifted teachers can be very helpful. Yeah, so it's go, you can go from a very simple tool like the story-formed way, mm-hmm. which is just paraphrasing God's mm-hmm. story, or you can get into in-depth Bible studies. Yeah. Um, it was the in-depth studies. I first did an overview study. We were in the Methodist church way back when, mm-hmm. 30 years ago, and they have what was called Disciple Bible Study, and it was just a quick overview of the Scripture. It took us a year or mm-hmm. even more. Uh, to get through the Bible, but it was a good way to see how it all fit together, how the mm-hmm. pieces came together. Right, yeah. So that's yeah. what I recommend for people. Be um, intentional in that study. Yeah. You can Obviously, you can read it for yourself, but it's helpful then to have a little guidance for the journey. Yeah. Right. I'd say I grew leaps and bounds in my understanding of the Old Testament when I um, did the Life of Moses study of Bible Study Fellowship. Mm-hmm. And that's just that same kind of study that you're talking about. Yeah. And all those pieces are just study. falling into mm-hmm. place and going like, oh my gosh. And to have somebody, um, you know, to have sort of questions to ponder and answer in Leviticus and Exodus and Numbers and and then talk with other women about it and then and then later on get teaching and commentary on it, that was really formative for me to to my understanding and digging in and saying it's not you know it's not as scary as as it sounds and another thing that just came to my mind um is actually like a very easy entry point would be um like the jesus storybook bible yeah yeah absolutely. um sharing you it with your kids yeah read the end if you don't have kids there's also a grown-up version that's mm-hmm. called the story of god's love for us mm-hmm. or for you um sally lloyd jones and um, it's the same. It's the same stories, but it's it's you know the gospel throughout Scripture, starting you know from the beginning, and that gives um, kind of like you said that overview, yeah, and and gives you that d- kind of foundation so that you can say, oh, okay, I want to I want to know more about that, and now I feel comfortable going in there and getting into the Old Testament and not being afraid. Right. Some yes. things are scary. I mean, they we, are. we studied Daniel this summer, and some of Daniel is scary. Mm-hmm. But we together we were able to, we were able to just say, yeah, this is, this is hard to understand. But the Lord is gonna is gonna meet us here. He's gonna um, he's gonna give us uh, kind of that revelation of Himself, mm-hmm. who He and is. He was, he was faithful to do that for us, even though at the outset we thought. Are we stupid? Did we really pick Daniel? Did we really pick Daniel? Are we really going to go the whole way through? And And we did. Praise God. Yeah. (laughs) And and how important it was for this summer to be centered around the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, that he puts people on thrones and takes them off, that he decides where Mm -hmm. countries are going to go to, and that he already knows. None of this scares him. And I know we've just went through a really exciting time of uh, voting and all kinds of fun things in our country. But when we see Daniel, you know, Daniel was not afraid of the... Daniel knew of all the ones that were coming, and we've seen them in history now, Mm -hmm. but... um, you know, God knew already, way well, before they were going to come. Yeah, it, just as you think of Daniel and his companions, where was fear in their lives? Mm-hmm. It was a really have a place. I, I couldn't even find it. Yeah, no. <laughs> exactly. So when we're confessing so much fear and anxiety based on circumstances, mm-hmm. we we really need to understand that there's a call to greater faith yeah. because mm-hmm. of who God is. There's and a what, better way. Yes, 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's what I'm saying. I see so much more fear and anxiety mm-hmm. in the church. And I'm thinking, we just don't know God. Right. Mm-hmm. Because this, there is no place. I mean, I, you asked me for like a, an important verse, and that's from Isaiah 43 for me. He says, but now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. Mm-hmm. You are mine. Mm-hmm. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. Mm -hmm. Why? For I am the Lord your God. Right. So I think that's where we, you know, Hebrews 3, uh, 12 and 13 says, we need each other in the church every day to be exhorting each other, spurring each other on. Um, And if we're not doing that, if we're indulging that, that fear and that anxiety, if we're just getting on the wagon train and everybody's going that direction, we're not believing God. Right. And, and even as we... Um, sorry to interrupt. No, it's okay. <laughs> even as we um, are talking to each other in community, and when we start to, to hear the rise and feel the rise, and everybody's kind of like, you know, what am I going to do? The voice of truth should be what comes out of our mouths. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes... When we talk to friends, we can tend to be like, oh, I'm so sorry, you know. But then sometimes we just need to say, so what are you waiting for? Yeah. What are you waiting for to believe the Lord in what mm-hmm. he says? Because he is in control, and he says he is, and then he asks you not to fear. So, you know, when will we feel fear? Yes, because otherwise he would not have told us that. But he, he wants to point us to a different the, choice. Right, mm-hmm. That when you do feel it, who do you go to? Yeah. Do you come to me for the relief of fear, for the release of it, for the taking off and putting on his mm-hmm. truth? And so um, I believe that as friends, we need to be that voice of truth. When we're in the word of God, we can do that for you. But when we're not in the word of God, we're going to say, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I, you know, I've never thought of that. And so now we're kind of like going in this spiral when we could have pulled our friend away from that fear to focus on the truth of God and um, so good that you point that out right now. I mean, we, we see it everywhere, um, even as young moms, even as people out on the workforce. You know, when we are talking to our colleagues who are not believers and they are fearful of what is to come um, for our country and for the world, I do not fear because I know how it ends. We have already won, you know, and not that that makes me better, but I am so grateful that the Lord has put that in my heart already and I cannot imagine it coming from anywhere else but the word of God yeah for sure but see you drive back at an important point and that is repentance and faith so um through my our our biblical counseling training that we got years ago and then through materials we're using right now to become better equippers of house church leaders and house churches uh there's some good questions we can ask ourselves in life the first would be what happened how did I respond? What was I wanting? What was I believing about God, myself, and others? So a lot of that came from Paul Tripp, but then I see it in the materials we're using currently from mm-hmm. Caesar Kalinowski. But when we start recognizing what I really want is control, mm-hmm. what I really want is somebody doing what I want when I want it, mm-hmm. uh, we start getting to the heart. We reveal what it is we're, we're living mm-hmm. for apart from the Lord. And I think that's really critical for us to recognize that's where God starts showing us what's really going on at a heart level. And when we repent, when we say, God, that is not your way, 
I'm, I'm living a way that's different than what you've called me to, what you've equipped me for. Please forgive me, mm-hmm. cleanse me, help mm-hmm. me turn back, and what do I need to believe about God? And many years ago, I did a study mm-hmm. over a period of months just on God's sovereignty. Like you, mm-hmm. you mentioned mm-hmm. a verse a little while ago about God putting kings on their thrones, etc. But it's throughout Scripture. He says, I have control. Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry. Mm-hmm. You know, when cancer struck our son, I was... I was heartbroken. I was crying, and I, I sensed God saying, you need to circle the wagons and pray. So we'd gotten this diagnosis in the surgical waiting room, and I just lifted my eyes sobbing, and I said, God says we need to just start praying. And he took me into Psalm 16, and I was just praying Psalm 16, and then Psalm 17, and then in the middle of 18, a voice said, can I say something, please? And I didn't want to open my eyes or look up. I just said, sure, whoever you are. One of our friends chuckled and said, Joan, it's the doctor. And he had already been on the phone. So he initially told us that Blake had a 50-50 chance of mm-hmm. surviving. But there in the middle of that prayer, within 10 minutes, he was back and he said, I- I've been on the phone with another specialist based on your son's age and how well the surgery went. It's more like an 80% chance of survival. All we had done was pray. and God was already <laughs> giving us good news. Right. So um, I just give that as an example in life that we don't have control Mm -hmm. over what's coming our way, Mm -hmm. but he does, Mm -hmm. and he just calls us to lean on him, to rest Mm -hmm. in him. You know, I'm sure that many of the listeners are young women, Mm -hmm. and I remember a day many years ago just finishing my time with the Lord, and, and I had this picture in my mind of a nursing baby, and I recognize you. He says, open wide your mouth and I will fill it. He's just asking us to trust him, and he's got what we need for any given situation, whether it's cancer or an election that maybe didn't go the way you wanted it to go or, you know, job loss, whatever it is, he's got us. Mm-hmm. He says he's, that we're sheltered under the shadow of his wings, and he's going to keep us safe. And, but as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, you know, even if he slays us, right. he's still got us so whether like Beth Moore says in the study believing God you know whether it's through the fire out of the fire or keeping you from the fire he's got us and we can trust I think about how relatively wimpy we can be as American believers and what the persecuted church endures and the faith that they have going in you know I I think God is really trying to shake us Mm -hmm. to get our attention back Mm-hmm. Because he's got it, right? And Whatever so focusing is. on, on the word, in this time is going to I I believe it's going to lead you back to that heart of repentance. Because right. if my people pray and call on the Lord, He will listen. But we can't pray when we're afraid, and we can't pray when we're not you know studying His truth. And so I am so excited that the Lord has even given us a glimpse of how what it is to encourage people to go, you know, to go back to the word of God. And so as we study sovereignty all year, last year, so all year last year through the summer, you know, the Lord has been doing that for us here in Date Women the Word, just because of the leaders have all been studying the same thing, you know, Revelation and then um, Daniel, the Lord has done that for us again and again because we want to see him high and lifted up. But we can't see him high and lifted up when we're 
focusing on, I'm so afraid. Yeah, when and, our eyes are all on the horizontal. Right. And, and this is all going bad and mm-hmm. everything is going wrong. But what we see at the end of those two chapters is even when Daniel said, okay, so you've got this whole vision. Here you go. This is what's going to happen. And though I told you, you know, it was going to be 70 years, actually, it's going to be seven, you know, times seven and however many sevens there were. <laughs> but then he says, you know, when God opened that, that, um, curtain for Daniel to see what was coming he wasn't talking about the Israelites anymore he was talking about the rest of the world and so it gets me really excited to see that as Daniel was told go on your way the Lord is telling us the same thing go on your way but as you go on your way go on your way with the word of God go on your way with me and I will show you what is to come and I will show you great and mighty things Mm -hmm. you know so that gets me really excited well and I'm mindful too (laughs) as you say that Daisy that if we don't know the whole of God's word this is what I experienced a lot in my life for many years you become content with just um, living a good moral life Mm -hmm. and you for you don't have a clue if if you've ever known it but you may have just forgotten we're called to fruitfulness. And how does that look in our lives? So it's at all levels. You know, he's redeemed us for a purpose. Mm-hmm. He's set his name on us for a purpose. How are we living that out? Are we multiplying the fruit right. that we're called to be multiplying as branches in mm-hmm. the vine? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, this has been wonderfully encouraging, um, just being here in this conversation. But before we, um, before we close... Joan, any last um, words um, of encouragement or exhortation or any any words that you have for the women in our city um, who are listening? Hmm. Yeah, I think what I would go back to is identity. We tend to be a society that identifies ourselves by what we do, Mm -hmm. by our success or by our failure, Mm -hmm. even by what's done to us. Right. You know, um, the victim mentality can be huge mm-hmm. for, for women. But our identity in Christ is so unassailable. You know, he has, God has made us his own through his son, raised him from the dead, seated him in, at his right hand, seated us with him in the right. heavenlies. Mm-hmm. Ephesians 3 says the enemy is mm-hmm. under his, no, Ephesians one says the enemy is under his feet. Then Ephesians 2 says we're seated with him in the heavenlies means the enemy's under our feet. We have nothing to fear. Mm-hmm. Um, so going back, if we're not sure who God is and who we are in Christ, let's, let's make that our priority to learn. Because once we're confident of our identity mm-hmm. as God's mm-hmm. beloved people, then we don't have to fear what's around the next corner. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for young women, I, I sense a lot of anxiety from women going into marriage, going into childbearing, going into parenting. It's like, no, we, we don't have to be afraid of these things. These are gifts God has given us mm-hmm. to steward well for his glory. He's got us. He's equipping us. Right. So I think identity is of paramount importance in the church today. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's key, for yeah. sure. Thank you so much, Joan, for talking with us today. This has been wonderful. Yes. I've really um, just appreciated all of your um, all of your wisdom and all of your um, practical sharing your mm-hmm. experience and 
like you said before, you have just a, a, a wide range, and the Lord has, has shown you a lot um, about himself, and um, and we've gotten to glean all of that in a, in a short, relatively mm-hmm. short time. So, so I'm just thanking God today that we got to spend this time with you. Um, if you guys want to get in touch with Joan, I think we'll have her contact info in the show notes. Um, and you can find all the references and resources that we talked about today there on um, our website, DaytonWomenInTheWord.com. And if you've been enjoying the podcast, please share it with um, friends, other women that you think would be encouraged by it. Um, you can, uh, if you have any comments or questions, you can always uh, contact us through the website or on social media. And we are just about, we're, we're almost done with our, with our first season. We've got a couple episodes to go, <laughs> but we're almost um, done. And we've, we've really, uh, we've just, we've loved doing it. Yes. We've just been praising God the whole way through. So hopefully he gives us more opportunities to keep, to keep going and, um, and yeah, to encourage each other. Yeah. To spur each other on. Absolutely. So we will see you guys next week. Bye-bye. See ya.